perspective of a first-generation farmer is not, it's not at all what someone who has years of, of wisdom, has a grandfather down the road who grew up in the business, who, right? or who steps into someone's shoes where even if the farm is more or less productive, financially stable, whatever, you have some stuff there. You have some stuff, a foundation. And a first-generation farmer does not come with that perspective. So I would truly say that, I mean, not only is it relatable, but you get, you come away with these, you come away with these nuggets of like, oh, like that's helpful as well as like, oh my God, I'm not all by myself in this crazy world. Welcome to Choosing to Farm, a podcast for first and returning generation livestock farmers and ranchers to share their stories, find connection, and provide insight into the life of farmers who didn't take the traditional path. I'm your host, Jen Colby. folks, this is Jen. Thank you so much for joining us. I am so, so happy to be back with you at the beginning of season two of the Choosing to Farm podcast. So glad you're here. So we're, we've been underway long enough that listeners are starting to be guests, which is super exciting. So it's so important to tell our stories. And Jessica Newman, she totally hit the nail on the head. We are not alone. We may feel lonely. Farming can be really lonely. But we are not alone. So thank you for all the folks who've come on board as listeners over the last six months. We've steadily been building this following during the grazing season and through the fall, even though I wasn't able to put out new episodes, but folks were sharing them and listening to them and maybe re-listening to them. So let's just keep that ball rolling. Let's just keep sharing these farmer stories to other people that we think are going to enjoy them. Maybe that's somebody you know who could benefit from not feeling so alone. Maybe that's a student. Maybe it's your NRCS person or your conservation district person. Every time you share the podcast, it helps build our community even bigger. So it's free and it's easy. So thank you so much for helping spread the word. So three quick announcements. Um, Well, one quick announcement. We have three virtual programs um, coming up that I wanted to let you know about. Um, One is the Northeast Grazing and Livestock Conference is virtual. Um, that is in the Northeast with the six New England states and New York state as well. Um, But it's applicable all over the country. So no matter where you're listening to, I think you'll probably get something from this awesome conference coming up. It's January 20th and 21st. It's virtual. The the link is going to be in our show notes, but you can also check it out at vtgrassfarmers.org for the registration. And also I have 
two things coming up. One, um, a half day virtual workshop, just a one one half day uh, called The Whole Human, uh, which is designed to, it's a, it's a short workshop designed to help you feel, uh, help you get unstuck, help you feel like you have a bit more of a path, um, help you feel empowered, help you use feedback to your advantage, that kind of thing. So it's a whole lot packed into a half a day. Um, and that is show notes will also have that the half day whole human and then um uh the five star farm stays course uh four week course that i ran in october we're going to start again on february 13th uh that registration for that is going to go live soon um but just want to sort of let you know that that is going to be something that is coming up and that will run for four weeks when it gets started so I recorded this episode with Jessica Newman back in June, which is a little embarrassing to say now in January, but we didn't know each other. Um, and through the interview, we just, it was like we'd known each other for years. Um, so she and her partner, this is the crazy part. So this is the end of June. She and her partner traveled up from Pennsylvania just a couple weeks later to attend our on-farm barbecue dinner <laughs> and to stay in our tenter. And they, we talked and talked and they helped me move sheep and we had coffee and just the whole thing was super amazing. So, so through this whole experience, like we're not just, you know, podcast interview people. We're actually like buddies. And I'm really grateful. And it, it just goes to show that when you make a connection with somebody who, who has this shared perspective and experience and like you're better for it and the circle just gets bigger. It's just amazing. So I hope that you enjoy. I know you'll enjoy this conversation with Jessica Newman. So um, my name is Jessica Newman and I am located Northeast Pennsylvania. Actually, I'm closer to New York really than anything major in Pennsylvania. <laughs> uh, so, you know, um, there's a lot of resources in New York that we often um, take advantage of because it's just closer. I mean, literally like five miles from the border. <laughs> So, you know, most of what's south of me in Pennsylvania is mountains and not a lot of, of towns or any kind of um, inhabited locations. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, and um, I have a 40 acre uh, farm and we mostly do sheep. Um, I've got about 80, um, 80 head of Texel sheep and I've got a small um, herd of cows and it's really um, morphed over time, right? Um, I started with a different, um, I think, vision of what it would look like. Um, and I currently work um, as well off farm <laughs> and it was, this is sort of my um, beast of creation. You know, it was really my idea, my, my plan. And so um, working and farming together full time is a challenge of its own, which I'm sure, you know, we may um, explore further, <laughs> but you know, I'm a nurse in my altar life, <laughs> which um, does come in handy at times on the farm. Um, but yeah, so kind of nurse by day, farmer by night routine. <laughs> and I've been doing this crazy shenanigans since 2014. So, um, but every year that ticks off, I'm like, it's one more year, <laughs> you know, so making progress. So it's, it feels good most days. <laughs> Holy cow. So do you, um, 
So do you have a compressed work week? I know some nurses have like 12 hours, so they only I work three not. days. I, I work Ooh. on Monday through Friday. I have done various things over the years. I will say that um, I ha- I worked more of a compressed kind of 36 hour a week um, schedule for a few years and then some job opportunities happened. And so now I have work Monday through Friday. And, and I would say that both schedules kind of, I'm sure anyone who does work off farm can relate to the fact that anytime you are are working there's kind of these pros and cons right you know the challenge of working 12 hours is like doing three hours of chores after a 12-hour shift is less convenient (laughs) before or after 12-hour shift you know there's only so many hours you kind of can fit into that day which is nicer when you're working eight hours you kind of have a little more um, time and and my job right now allows me some flexibility that, you know, if I got a call that, hey, the cows are out, for the most part, I could be like, I'll be back <laughs> and it will be okay. Um, so, you know, there, there are some benefits in kind of um, my current schedule, but it, it does not allow um, some of those longer days, you know, I really have to take advantage of things like the weekends for um, doing larger projects. And I would say that's probably the most challenging, the most challenging piece in both laying out what I, how I want the farm to kind of look or what the farm needs to look like right now. Um, It really has to flow around, okay, there's there's only so much you can do, you know, I can't be at every farmer's market and try to get this thing done. You know, there's just not enough time. It really, you have to be able to balance with, you know, you have work life and you have farm life and (laughs) it is more complicated. Sometimes I look at people who are farming full-time and I'm like, oh, (laughs) I mean, you know, we all have our, our uh, woes. And the things that, you know, it's not all like sunshine, rainbows and unicorns on the other side of that, of that fence either. The grass is not always greener, (laughs) you know, but um, there are some things that, that are beneficial about not having to, you know, spend 40 hours a week doing something else in addition to trying to, you know, work on the farm. (laughs) So totally, totally get that. Last year when I finally left my my full-time job a farm job I picked so many projects for the farm that there was no possibility of getting them done any of it done so this so this year I'm like oh look there's another 2021 project check (laughs) finally made it (laughs) that's really we're June 30th here we go Yeah. So, yeah. So I think you're right that like there's, there's woes either way. It's just sort of how it all fits together. It's so true. It's so true. Oh my gosh. And some of it has been so intentional, you know, I mean, yes. Could I have said, I'm going to borrow heaps and heaps of money and, you know, sink all of that and try to go straight in and just do the farming thing and get out of the work, you know, situation. Yes. Um, and I think my goal will be to sort of back off a little bit and try to, you know, whether that means working part-time or per diem or there's various options, you know, as we move forward, but, um, it has allowed, 
I would say more stability over time when you're kind of growing that farm, that farm business, when you're making lots of mistakes, when you're spending money and then realize you probably shouldn't have, <laughs> you know, when those things are happening, it does create a little bit more um, flexibility, you know, in having that off farm income, but it does hamper you in other ways. Um, and the run ramp to, um, growing the farm, I think takes longer. If you have that length of time that you can afford yourself and you don't feel like, you know, you have to somehow be supporting your whole family on it overnight. I think it's, it's, a, it's a good way to go. Um, but it, yeah, <laughs> exhausting too. <laughs> it is also that too. It is also that. So how did you, so if you, if you're a nurse now and a farmer, how did the farming side of it come in? Did you start with that dream and then get your nursing degree? I think I always sort of had that dream. Um, when I was younger, I thought I'd actually be a vet, you know, um, yes. And yes. I was like, you know, I should do something really noble and like help people, <laughs> which, <laughs> so I was like, I guess maybe I'll be a nurse. Like it's still medical, right? Like I like all those things about being a vet, but it's just with humans and this will be good. Um, which actually I will say I've enjoyed nursing as a career. It's been, um, there's a lot of really amazing things and, and I'm, I'm reasonable at it. <laughs> I do say so myself, but, um, you know, I, I think my parents were like breathe sigh of relief here, more stability included, you know, in nursing than I think they, than they felt in my agricultural, um, dreams, but, um, they've always been very supportive. And, um, and I thought, you know, another thing that might be helpful is it would give me more time to have my own pets versus taking care of everybody else's right. Um, but, you know, long story short, I think agriculture kept calling me back, calling me back. So when I had a chance to um, move, I was actually nursing full time in Tennessee and I had an, a chance to move back um, close to family um, health. Kind of my mom was having some health issues at the time. And um, so I, I was able to move back up here. I was like, now would be a great time to try the farming venture. <laughs> why wait, right? <laughs> People wait so long in their life to maybe always do the thing they wanted to do. Um, and I didn't want to be that person. So I said, you know, like, let's just, let's go for it and try it. And um, I stumbled across, you know, Joe Salatin, which I'm Many of us I've heard referenced, you know, even previous, you know, people who've been on the podcast before previously said, you know, that's kind of how they, they were introduced. And um, I felt just a need to tie into where does our food come from and um, what does that look like and how can we um, be more engaged in our own food sources and um, support our communities. So that kind of really inspired me to to do more agriculture um, and get into it, but I did not come from, I mean, my dad's an engineer, my mom is an accountant, like not agricultural to say the least, you know, um, agriculture experiences, some 4-H when I was younger, you know, things that sort of like generated that um, love of agriculture, that enjoyment of being outside, but um, yeah, I've learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> really um starting the farm and you know I'm pretty sure the guy who sold me my first eight sheep thought I was going to kill them all 
<laughs> you know, I mean, when we, when I first got them, like the piece of land I bought literally was 40 acres of nothing. Like there's 10 of woods and like the rest was just grassland they mowed and made some hay on you know once a year and it didn't have water and it didn't have power and it didn't have a barn and it had no fences and you know it literally just had nothing on it and so um you know when we unloaded those sheep into the electric netting I'm pretty sure he was like there's nothing here there's like I mean at that point we had the well but that was about it you know and um and so I do, there is a sense of, you know, pride that I think he now looks back and is like, whew, she didn't kill, she didn't kill her, her eight sheep. And, uh, you know, they've grown and, you know, I think she's reasonable at, at keeping some livestock alive. Um, so, you know, I think some of that just comes with time and some of the learning, you know, but um, nursing does help with that a little. <laughs> I would hope. <laughs> <laughs> so do you still keep in touch with the guy who sold you the I do I do yes we maintained a good relationship and I would say um thank God for farmers and I've not found this to be the case with everybody but um he is I feel like one of those maybe less common very experienced soon to kind of be retiring um farmers who did not approach me as like you're you know, you're an idiot, you're stupid, <laughs> or, you know, yes, you're just a girl. You just have ponies, which I have gotten on multiple occasions. Like, oh, you have horses. I was like, nope, there's no four-legged horses on my property. <laughs> like, you know, cause wait, 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 four-legged horses. Yes. Do you have three-legged horses? No. I'm just checking. I'm just checking. No three-legged horses. Okay. Okay. You said no four-legged horses. I was like, okay. Maybe she has a three-legged one. Uh, No. Just clarifying. Please continue. No, you're good. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Yeah. So no, I mean, he just, I think came with it that you know, he was willing to mentor. He, you know, through that first year, especially he would call me about every three months be like, just, just checking in. Like just making sure everything's going okay. Do you need anything? Like, how are the sheep? (laughs) Which I think part was like concern. (laughs) Um, but but also just to be able to have that person, like, did I have questions? Were there, you know, and yes, absolutely I did. And I know the very first time we had a really difficult lambing, and to be able to call and be like, I don't know if I can get this lamb out, you know, and for him to be like, I'll be there in 45 minutes. Right. And that willingness to mentor a new farmer and be there, um, with not this judgmental, like, you know, I'm an older guy and I just know all this stuff and you should know all this stuff or I'm not sharing it. He really never had that attitude. And I wish we had more seasoned farmers like that. Like we do. I mean, they are out there, but you know, I know that that's not maybe everyone you run into. And, um, and I would say as a new farmer, it was tremendously helpful to feel like you find some people who you can, you know, um, ask questions to, or, you know, how does this work? Because it is really challenging. I think just understanding things like sourcing hay and, um, working with veterinarians and, you know, even just building stuff like, (laughs) 
we used to have a running joke that really what I should do in my job is create a manual of how to put stuff together that farm stores sell with no directions on how to assemble them. <laughs> you know, because there's so many things that you buy and you're like, how does this go together? It doesn't come with any directions. You're just like, you're supposed to know. <laughs> Water system stuff. Yes. That is yes. like the great mystery. It's like, it's like crazy that you could just be like, so what are the pieces of a water system? Can you show me that? And they're like, yep, here they are. And they're like, not attached. <laughs> and you're like, okay, in what order do they go? <laughs> and are you sure I have all the pieces, right? Do like, I have all I, the pieces? Are you really sure I have? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You know, and I think that it's part of a symptom that, <clears throat> we've had so many generations of people who just knew what that stuff was. They knew maybe how to use it. They had always, they'd grown up with it. And you have these two generations. They're like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how these pieces fit. No. Yeah. I can join up two threaded things, but that doesn't, yes. that's, I'm not a dummy, but that doesn't mean that I know about pressure and friction and, and, uh, air locking and like, uh, yes, all of that stuff. You're just like, uh, I don't know why it doesn't work. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, YouTube is a good friend, you know, yes. <laughs> I mean, that's his new tagline. YouTube yeah. is, is like the, is like the first generation farmer's best friend. Best friend. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, when you can find someone else who has suffered your pain and has, is now showing you how to put it together because they finally figured it out <laughs> themselves, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So why sheep? Mm. What was it about sheep? Because I feel like I do this a lot in my life. Maybe it's a sign of who I am. But, you know, I'm like, I just, there was something about sheep that always intrigued me. Um, I, which is funny because I literally, I'd had some exposure with cows. I had had some exposure with horses. Um, I had had no exposure with, <laughs> to sheep. Um, I mean, I'd even had a tiny bit of exposure to pigs, but nothing to sheep ever, um, neither sheep nor goats. And um, I just always thought, you know, they seemed very manageable as far as size wise. Um, I, I don't know. There was something about them that just kind of drew me in and I love sheep. <laughs> I mean, I have cows and I enjoy them, but I really love the sheep. There's just, um, they're not stupid. They, <laughs> to everyone's contrary, you know, opinion, but, um, and nor do I think they, um, desire to die as I have heard on more than one occasion, <laughs> but I do think, um, they, they require, um, awareness and they also are so instinct driven, which makes sense, right? Based on what they are, um, being totally prey driven. So they will do things entirely based on that instinct. You know, if it's fight or flight, I'm fighting first and fighting never. (laughs) And so if you put me in that situation, I will do something that seems excessively stupid. That's really just, you know, innately buried inside me. I can't help myself. Um, you know, and I feel like I get that in sheep. Like I, somehow that makes sense to me. I understand it. And, um, you know, kind of seeing a sheep and, and again, maybe that's part of being a nurse, you know, kind of looking at something and saying like, looks good, looks bad. Um, I think is helpful when it comes to sheep <laughs> who hide things very carefully. Um, 
you know? So yeah, that's, you know, I enjoy the trying to improve um, genetics for me. Breeding stock is my, um, I really enjoy um, trying to create a terminal sire, which is what, you know, the Texel breed is, but trying to create a better um, animal for, you know, others and for producers. And um, I think for me, I get frustrated when I sometimes see so many farmers um, and I find I've done this myself. I can hardly want to like judge, but I think that as new generation farmers, I think one thing we could improve on as a whole is to make sure that we're not selling ourselves short, right? Selling our, literally selling our animals or our meat for less um, than they're worth, you know, and sometimes I think we get damaged by like the hobbyists who don't really care if they sell whatever for whatever. Um, But really making sure that we are valuing what we're doing and trying to be able to create, um, you know, whatever kind of income we're looking for, you know, whether it is just a supplement or for fun, like that we're truly are valuing what it's worth um, and what that animal is worth. So, um, you know, I really try to do that. It is challenging, (laughs) you know, and so especially sometimes when I look around and I see other people who, maybe aren't or, you know, um, there was a lively discussion this week at one of the listeners I was on just about, you know, like how much should I sell, um, you know, an animal for? And um, there were so many people who were like, well, like just check the, check the sale auction prices. And I was like, that is a terrible thing to do. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) that's not, that's not the ceiling. That's the floor. (laughs) Yes. I mean, it's so just, I think growing in myself, being more confident and understanding, you know, the finance, in all honesty, like some of those, the day-to-day functioning of, you know, raising sheep or, or raising cows is not the most challenging. Um, it's a thing we all like to do. It's the thing I love to do, but it is that business management piece that is far more um, challenging, you know, in trying to understand and I don't know, really get your arms around, you know, understanding. So as with a mom who is an accountant, do you feel like that has influenced you? Is that like one of your like secret superpowers that you came in with from the non-farming background is like, I have awesome accounting skills because my mom's an accountant. Wish, I wish I could say that she sorry, did I wishes, set you up? I'm sorry. She probably I wishes I could say that too. No, don't apologize. Um, you know, uh, poor, my poor mother, I was born dyslexic and have remained that way my whole life and numbers and me have a, um, a rather, you know, challenging past. So uh, no numbers have never been my, um, natural ease and bent, you know, um, I get, I get them in as far as the concepts. And I will say, I probably value them more maybe from her um, kind of coaching and growing up and understanding why they would be important and why, why it matters, Um, you know, but I would say that so much of what we do and so much of what's out there in education and resources is all the how to the do things and not so much the how to the, uh, actually financially make this work things. <laughs> you 
you know, it's so true. <laughs> you hear people talk about it and say it's important, you know, but the actual nitty gritty of it, um, man, right? Like there's so many, there are pasture walks and there's, you know, classes in, and, you know, webinars on wool quality and feeding and nutrition and all the things, you know, um, and less so about some of the other um, equally important, but maybe less attractive, <laughs> you know, book type um things. So, so I don't know. I would say that that is probably one of the things I've had to learn. And I continue, you know, we continue to struggle with that every year. And how do we um, make inputs less, you know, um, make outputs more and, you know, kind of trying to drive all those things. And, and I think if we don't pay attention to that, especially newly into farming, like I think if we don't put a lot of focus on it, then we, we set ourselves up for that failure. <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, again, I like live it every day and I feel like there's constantly having to think, okay, you know, this year, like, how are we going to, how are we going to do and working full-time makes it even more challenging, right? Because it is hard to say like, okay, you know, we've, sometimes it's just the Saturday mornings, like I'll get up and I'll be like, all right, I'm going to like work on the website for an hour this morning. And, you know, when the household's sleeping and trying to get things going, because there's only, it's just limited time, you know, and after a day at work, the last thing I really feel like doing is sitting down and trying to crunch a number or like, you know, work on a website. And then when you kind of also have the day-to-day -day chore stuff to do. So balancing those pieces, it's really easy sometimes to let the business slide or sit on that back burner and pay attention to all the fires in your face. <laughs> because you're working an on-farm off -farm job, <clears throat> there's this like, you know, there's from the full-time farming community mm -hmm. and the, like, we are doing the best we can, but still like we're balancing it community, yeah. like two different perspectives on this. Um, <clears throat> do you feel like you, uh, because you have an, the, the pad of an off-farm job, do you, do you feel like that is, I mean, I recognize this is a benefit of a regular paycheck, but <laughs> Do you feel like you make different decisions than you would if you were full-time farming? And I don't necessarily mean the cash flow side, but like the time management side, the totally are the things that do slide from the farm because you're like, well, I got to go to work. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Both, I think in the physical management of it, right. In, um, the way that I run lambing, right. Like I cannot and Currently, I don't live on farm either, right? So another, why not throw one more like challenge in there? But, um, you know, so currently how like we run lambing, I mean, I sleep in the barn during lambing season so that I don't have to commute back and forth and it's easier for my work life. But that also means like I shore up my lambing so that we lamb very succinctly because I can't drag it out forever, right? And because I'm working off farm, like I can't, I have to rely on say like, asking my mom to do four hour check midday, if I've got somebody outliers, you know, and, and, or taking off time work, you know, so making sure that 
that things are happening in a more um, narrow window. So there's things like that that I think um, absolutely are driven by the balance between working off farm and working on farm and making decisions. And, and like I said, initially, you know, I've done chickens and turkeys and, you know, variety of other um, ventures and really ending up narrowing. And it's not that I might not do things, but this would be a very different scale, you know, over time, but really shoring up like, okay, what am I actually really going to do? And trying to pull that together is another result of, of, balancing that work and that farm life. Um, but you're also right with financially. I think that definitely both in the sense that sometimes maybe I make a decision because I'm like, okay, well, I, I know I'm going to have a paycheck coming in. So we could do X, Y, Z or how to, or, you know, balancing that. I don't, um, have to be like, well, <laughs> but on the other side of things, you know, you're having to say, okay, um, you know, how are we going to make decisions about, you know, if the farm is pulling income, you know, is, is pulling more money than it is kind of trying to say, okay, when does that need to stop? What does that look like? What, um, you know, how do we kind of put parameters around things? And, and that is really, that is really challenging. And I, and I think because that, growth of the farm has been slowed by the, um, you know, I, I knowingly didn't like borrow gobs of money to write, like to build everything. We've sort of incrementally done it over time with the off-farm income. But as a result of that, you know, it, it has taken a lot of years to like, say, build up the flock. You know, we started with eight ewes because that was, that was what we could afford. That was what we could work on. Well, eight years is not going to generate you any kind of money, right? <laughs> not, not to start. Um, not anyway. No. Um, so understanding that you're going into it with a very different run ramp. Um, and so sometimes I try to tell myself, okay, be gracious to yourself and understanding that you're not, you shouldn't expect the farm to say, be like, I mean, and maybe I should be, but I don't expect the farm to necessarily be generating X dollars of income by year three, because we're not, we're not even set to a place. I shouldn't expect that given, given where we are, given how much we're producing, you know, so having realistic expectations, um, because of kind of the limitations set up by working off farm and on farm, I think. I think's also been a lesson that I usually have to preach to myself in the dark of night when I'm having a panic attack about how much money I'm spending. <laughs> so, Can I just know. have you in my pocket like 10 years ago, just to remind me to not beat myself up because I wasn't doing things faster. Like, oh God, I know it is for you. Really- I'm so glad that you're actually, that, you know, <laughs> I'm glad that you have these conversations with yourself because I think it's really important. Yes, I do. I do. And I often have those moments and we probably all do it. I hope we all do. I feel like we all do. But, you know, where you say, oh, my God, like maybe I just need to ask that or like maybe this year we're not going to we're not going to do that. Like, I don't know. You know, you have these kind of panicky moments. And I and I also think that's a um slight result of the work of the pull between on farm off farm because 
I spend my thinking time about the farm sometimes divided, right? Like at work, I'm kind of thinking about it, but then I'm at the farm and sometimes I'm thinking about work. Sometimes I'm thinking about farm. Like it, sometimes I feel like I'm a little scattered <laughs> when it comes to the planning <laughs> and the thinking, which does not always lead. I, I usually feel like I have to say, okay, like pause for a minute or just, all right, I'm going to just sit on this. I feel really bad about the farm today or the, the, these couple days I need to sit on that, like, let it just sit for a minute. It could just be, it's a bad week. We've had a lot of things that I'm experiencing a lot of stressors and the ball, all the balls I have in the air. Like if one kind of isn't acting up, right. You know, it makes everything else feel completely unmanageable. And so I think, I've learned to try to just sit for a minute, let things kind of settle before making big decisions because I can't, I think I don't have that maybe consistency of thought to, to manage it. So totally, (laughs) this is like a totally, I have a a personal question for you about, (laughs) about nursing. I have always had in my mind, I, I, I used to think, okay, you know, if, if I, if I left my previous extension life, mm-hmm. then maybe I would go to nursing school because in my perception, it is a, a compartmentalized off-farm job, mm-hmm. which, which was not what my former life was. Um, and, and so I was just, I was like, so this is the romantic thing in my head was <laughs> I could, I could go to nursing school and I could work a compressed schedule. That was my, that was my like rainbow or whatever it was. Uh, and I'm just curious, like, is it actually compartmentalized or do you, do you find yourself moving fence thinking about patients or, or do you like, is it actually something that can allow you some separation? Even if I recognize you just said, like, it's not, it's not every day. Yeah. Um, some days it feels really scattered, but is it, is it something that is, is compartmentalized? I think it really can be. Um, I think it really can be. Nursing's very broad, right? The scope and field and types of um, work environments for nursing is very broad. Um, so yes, I think you absolutely can. Um, and there's times where I feel like I've experienced that where it's been much more compartmentalized. Um, currently, it's a little less so for me. Um, it's not terrible, um, but it's a little less so for me. But I mean, I've taking phone calls in the barn and be like, excuse me, pardon my sheep, like buying in the background. Because <laughs> as soon as you talk out loud, the sheep automatically think it's all about them. Um, and <laughs> the noise making begins. <laughs> so, you know, like I've definitely lived that or, you know, um, shutting off the, the tractor or whatever, you know, and taking a phone call in the field. Um, and again, that is not every role that has been some of my role, but, um, I think you really can. I think you can compartmentalize that a lot, which, um, it does marry nicely, um, with farm life. And it, it also has benefited me with medical skills, which comes in handy, (laughs) very handy. Um, you know, I've said more than once, like, I cannot believe how anyone does this if they have no experience, right? Whether it's suturing something or, you know, lambing or, you know, just (laughs) 
worming, understanding worm, like resistance or, you know, those things. Um, and I think it is my experience in medicine does benefit that, you know, component of the farm. I mean, we, I feel like I typically do really well, like with lambing, I mean, my expectation, which is really a bad expectation because sometimes it sets me up for heartbreak, but it's typically hundred percent lamb survival. If I can get them out, then typically I can keep them alive. If there's not something congenital going on, like, you know, and I know that's not re most people's reality, <laughs> you know, but for me, I think it's a personal, like there's, there's a certain skill set that I have from doing my job for as long as I've done it, that I can sometimes bring to the barn, which is good. <laughs> totally. Sometimes okay. bad, but good. <laughs> <laughs> well, everything is a double-edged sword. Yes. Everything. Oh, oh man. So, so do you, so are you doing this on your own? Do you have family? Like how's, what's the interaction of all of the rest of your life? Cause I presume you have more life than just work and farm. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. And, and, um, yeah, trying to really incorporate that is, is been its own journey, but yeah, so I do, <laughs> um, I have, so my other half, um, she really helps at the farm, mostly chores, like after hours. Um, my parents do lend a hand. My dad's typically the one where I'm calling. I'm like, the tractor is broken tonight. <laughs> Can you help me? I, uh, you know, um, and so kind of that ad hoc consultant, I pay in beer <laughs> sort of like <laughs> father daughter relationship. Totally need those. We totally yes. need those. I pay yes. in beer people. Um, you know, that, that I would say is more his role. My mom has, has typically up until like this past year played a huge role in kind of maintaining the farm books, which plays into her strengths in, in accounting and, um, you know, that work. So no, I think understanding the people in your life and how they can support you, um, not be abused by you, but support you <laughs> is good. Oh, that's so true. You, you said you listened to some of these episodes. I don't know if you listened to the one with my husband, but I always had these like, no, that's one I have not yet. Oh, I you should to. totally, that was, should totally, that might be helpful with your partner too. Probably um, like our whole, whole negotiation around the expectations that I had yeah. and yeah. placed on him and was like, why aren't you out here with me? And he's like, I don't want to farm. Yes. No. <laughs> like, Stop asking me. Stop expecting so me. I don't want to do it. Um, this is yeah. not my thing. It's your thing. It's not my thing. Exactly. I have experienced that. I think, you know, when I first moved up here, I had the expectation that, you know, um, especially at the time, my parents and I were going to do this more together. Like it was going to be more of like a family farming venture. And, um, I think we had very different expectations, even though we thought we all had the same expectation <laughs> about what this was going to look like. And um, it caused some really challenging, chaotic years, I think, with some real um, things that had to be worked out between relationships. I mean, heart feelings, just, you know, in all honesty, that stuff's really um, a bear. And also just the moment when you're thinking, this isn't what I thought it was going to be <laughs> kind of like the initial dream has to sort of die and be reborn. And, and though that's, I think I can understand why people walk away, <clears throat> you know, why they get to this point and then they're like, 
I'm done because, you know, you have multiple people with very different visions, right? Very different personalities, goals. And even when you think you're communicating, you're probably not communicating as much as you think maybe you are, (laughs) Um, you know, and so it does, I think I've been able to kind of, we've, we've worked through things and, and there's still times today when I'm like, oh my God, like I am doing this more by myself than I had anticipated doing it. And is this really the direction I still want to go? And I think we, we have to always reevaluate that in ourselves. Like, where are we going? The farms are a constant moving creature. Um, but I can, I can understand and I can relate. It's, it is my baby with the support I get being, you know, it's not everyone else's visioning and perfect, um, world, right. You know, they like pieces of it, but maybe not, um, having to live that every day. Um, so, and I think that's caused me to have to say, okay, speaking of like the life outside of work and farm, how do I still keep that side of me in existence? Right. Because it can be all absorbing all the time. Um, so little things like um, we have this holiday at our house called Christmas in July, and it is when the lambs are getting weaned and everyone, the barnyard pasture. So I have like mostly big fields that we rotate um, great rotationally graze through, but we do have kind of the like sacrifice paddocks that get used in the winter and then they grow all spring and I don't graze them specifically so that they're ready for Christmas in July (laughs) because when Christmas in July comes, everyone comes back to the barn and I arrange it out, whether it's my parents or, you know, like a local high school kid, but usually my parents will. And we take a vacation in the summer. It's been a negotiated event to, so that it doesn't always feel like nothing, we can't do anything ever. Right. So we really tried, I've really tried to build into life coordinated, (laughs) coordinated events such as Christmas in July, (laughs) where we go and we do off farm, whatever we want to do. We have fun. We go somewhere, we do something and everyone can cry in the pastures together. <laughs> the babies can be unhappy and I come back, they're weaned <laughs> and it's fine. This is brilliant on every level. Like the farmer, like health level, mental health level, the leaving the lambs, all of it. That's wow. Yeah. I so, I, okay. You can steal, feel free, steal away. Um, well, my weaning is early September. So I'm kind of like, oh, yeah. Cause I found like lambs bust through electric netting. It was terrible. It wasn't a good, like, oh my God, it made me want to like, and then people were getting tangled up in netting and it was really irritating. And I was like, this doesn't work. So having them in the barnyard is safer for everyone anyways, in all honesty, you know, and if I need to break out some hay, I do, um, you know, whatever it takes in that moment to kind of create this where I can have everyone separate as need be. I can create, there's no there's no day-to-day chores, right? The water is there. We have hay set up. We have grass that has been growing and it does provide this time. So I think really trying to be intentional. Is it, is it perfect? No. Could you always use more of it? Sure. (laughs) You know, but I think that's up to like how, how we structure and build things, um, into our, our lives to create that, um, downtime and that time where we can spend with our families, I think is really important. Um, 
I've tried to, I'm, I am glad, I am glad. Sometimes that would irritate me, especially at the beginning where I'm like, I felt this pull from my family, right? Like you should do more of this, or you should come to this event, or you should. And I was like, you don't understand. There's so much that needs to happen. Like all I have is this giant list in my brain about all the farm stuff that needs to happen or all the, you know, like stuff around the house that needs to take place. But, um, but trying to really understand that, like they need, they need me to be present in those moments too, just as much as I want to be present when I'm on the farm. Um, so that, it's still an imperfect process, but I feel that I value it more now that I, I understand, I get it more. And I'm trying to be really intentional now in ways that I wasn't previously. (laughs) On you. No, that's, that's so, do you feel like Oh, do you feel like it's a constant struggle still, or do you feel like it's getting easier to say, okay, we're going to work. I not, think it's not, getting easier. Okay. I I'm just, I'm just, yeah. Yeah. Just curious. Like, no, 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 I really do. That list, <laughs> that list, I see you list and you're, and you're going to stay there and I'm going to be at peace with it. Yes. Or yes. I'm going to physically be with the family that mm-hmm. wants me to be with them, but I'm going to think about the list all the time. Yeah. I feel bad that I'm not doing it, which isn't healthy either. Even if no, no. So I just, just, yeah. How's 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 that going? I think one, one way that it has gotten easier for me is that I, um, I do have to respect that trying to make, um, like say, okay, if I tried to have, you know, the family vacation time right around lambing, I would literally, that war is too big, right? Like it can't, those two things like will forever fight and it would never, it would never mix, right? It does not, it just doesn't go. It doesn't work. Something would have to to give or you like drive yourself and everyone else crazy. So I think some of it is really about um, identifying, at least for me, what is a have to do or a high stress moment in the farm? What is a higher stress moment in the family life? Like what are things that are really priorities for the family? Like, and then almost like overlaying them is kind of what we did and like, okay, what's really important for you and when do those things occur? What's really important at the farm and when do those things occur? And then trying to say, okay, can we align them? Can, can we make it work? What can we settle that feels good for you? Good for me. It still allows the farm to function, you know, and kind of trying to sync everything to me has more, has been more successful and doesn't cause so much stress. I mean, there's still moments, right? There's still moments when like the apple falls off the cart and before you know it, like all the apples are like rolling off the cart. <laughs> I mean, like I had, you know, I had that moment even last night when it just felt like, you know, everything was going okay. But then, you know, we've had some car troubles like in the last week, which has debilitated, uh, you know, the getting around to everyone and negotiating who needs to go where. And then, you know, we really had some challenges with our worm load, um, like last night. I mean, I don't typically, but, um, last night, man, how do you go down, you know? And so it's in the moment we need to look at everybody like tonight, like everybody has to get looked at. And we're like out here nine, 10 o'clock at night trying to 
you know, check everybody and make sure that everyone is doing okay. And, um, you know, understanding what does that look like today? And those are the moments though, that I think, you know, a simple phone call to my folks saying, Hey, tomorrow's going to be more of a stressful day. Like, can I get a ride? We don't, the car situation still needs to be, you know, navigated through and we've got kind of an abnormal extra thing that needs to happen at the farm. And typically the answer is like, yes, like when can we be there? You know, because we've sort of over the years been navigating, okay, how can we balance everybody out? So, you know, I don't know it, an uneasy truce, maybe (laughs) like it's really, (laughs) it's, I feel like every year we get better at it. You know, it's not perfect, but really, I don't know. I feel like for my own sanity and maintaining the farm and not just feeling like this is never going to work. It's kind of like a has to, like it has to, we have to figure it out. It's kind of one of those like non-negotiable things. Related to the farm going in a particular direction and, and, and constantly reevaluating. I feel Mm -hmm. this is sort of the operative question of choosing to farm is do we, do we choose once and then we're farmers? or ranchers, do we like, do we choose once or do we choose every day? And I kind of wonder how folks struggle with that. If they're like, you know, if it still stays like this, I'm not going to do it anymore because I am choosing every day to do it. And like an offshoot question of that is, or thought around that is, is it actually a, a little easier or is it a different thought process for first gen folks? To say, you know, I worked so hard to get into this because I had to build it all from the ground up. Does that mean it's easier to walk away because there's not the family connection Mm. to that? Or does it actually mean it's harder to walk away? So there's like a few questions in this. I'm just curious, like what what are your thoughts about that? Like choosing and what would it take to walk away? Or is there nothing like, this? Mm -hmm. you know, you'll go down with that farm because you built it. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, I can't speak for the farming nation as a whole. (laughs) Just for yourself, only for yourself. That's why I keep asking people these sorts of things. I'm like, what do you think about that? I don't know what I think. What do you think? So for me, I think number one, that farming is almost just like a relationship. It might be a little bit of an unhealthy relationship at times. but it is a relationship. And I, I do feel like you, um, while you kind of make the initial lifestyle, yes, answer choice. I think it is a day-to-day almost like, do you choose to love somebody? It's a day-to-day answer, right? Like, do you choose to farm for me? It's a day-to-day. And there are days when I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) like, I don't know if I can do tomorrow. (laughs) And then there's times when I do feel that like really connection and passion for what we do and the importance of what we do. Like imagine a world where there is no farming, where there's no um, people who understand what it means. To me, there is this, there is a bit of a, a weight of, um, of that, but I still think it is a day-to-day, like it's a day-to-day decision that that I'm going to do it. However, with that tied to the kind of second piece about, you know, is it easier to like walk away or harder? 
you know, when I've had those moments where I'm like, I'm not doing this. Can I do this anymore? I'm not sure I can. Can I maybe? You know, it is really hard, I feel like, for me to say, this is a thing you've built, right? This thing you've put countless hours, blood, sweat, and tears. My, my family's put hours of blood, sweat, and tears. Can I just like, let that all go. And maybe as a first generation, yes, you don't have your grandfather rolling in there. Actually, my grandfather has been like, why on earth would you be farming? (laughs) He tried that once and was like, no, (laughs) Um, you know, so (laughs) on one hand, I think we might, may not have that generational tie, but there is something to be said for, for having labored so intently for something and then letting it go that is really at least for me (laughs) some days I'm like I can't let that be my only excuse though for continuing like I do have to have like other reasons which I think I do but you know I I I do think you can't only just say well because I worked so hard I should continue to just work so hard with no other part of this that I like or enjoy or benefits me you know hence why we do Christmas in July and you know why I try to build into it things like sometimes we just do a campfire at the farm like hey even if the family is going to sit up there and do campfire and enjoy it because the important part is like the the also incorporating something fun in the doing of the farm so that rounds it out like I don't it's not just like all negative or all hard or only bad because I think at the end of the day I can't live doing just that you know like it has to be something else (laughs) yeah and when we set ourselves up to assume every day is going to be hard Mm -hmm. I think we make every day really hard yeah 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 no it's so true I wanted to go back to a thing that that you were um that you're talking about, like not undercharging, overcharging, like, mm. like that, that value communication. So mm-hmm. how do you communicate with your customers? What's your market? Like, how do you communicate with your customers about the value of what you're bringing them? Yeah. Um, yeah. Not the price, but the value. And mm-hmm. or maybe that gets into a price conversation too, but like, how do you have that conversation, conversation. with customers? Yeah. I kind of have two different customer groups, but I, for me, I think that it, this works in both arenas. So one is more like meat-based customers. Um, the other is more um, like seed stock breeding customers. Um, and they are different in personality typically and in approach maybe, but um, I would, I think my methodology is the same regardless. And that's really that, um, I'm a talker. Shocking to y'all now that you've been listening to us chatter. But I I feel like it's really about um, understanding. Okay, what are what are you getting right in this animal? Say for example, for the breeding stock, um, you know that it's understanding what you need as a producer and how I'm meeting that need and what I'm breeding for, what my animals are breeding for. And, um, you know, I was reading this great book. I mean, I don't know if you guys, I like doing not kind of expanding horizons and not always staying pigeonholed within one, um, 
spectrum. <laughs> so I was actually reading a business book, um, which, you know, for me, it's, it's not, it's neither farming nor nursing. It's really neither here nor there, but um, it's called start with why. And <laughs> I love that. It got like really quiet, but the arms went out. The arms went out. Sorry. These are the things that you'll never hear, see on a podcast because I don't do this on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> love start with why. Yes. Love it. Love yes. it. Simon Sinek. Awesome. Phenomenal. And yeah. so I think that whole premise kind of summed up, I mean, there's a lot in there, but really is that um, you have to start not with the what you're producing, but the like the why, you know, and um, it's not about just the ideal customer. It's not about like a lot of other like things, right? But it's really about understanding and being able to communicate why. Why am I um, creating, you know, the animals that I'm creating? Why are we producing the meat that we're producing? And um, through that why, I think you connect with the person on the other end. Um, And you're always going to have people who don't really care. Maybe they don't, whether the why doesn't resonate with them or they don't, to them, that's not the value um, they're not looking for. And they can find somebody else's why, right? Um, they can go identify with whoever and, you know, go down the road. But I would say that building relationships is part of our job as farmers too. Right. Um, and unfortunately maybe something that we haven't always been good at in the past, uh, You know, people picture that like the old farmer who sits on the, you know, tractor and it's like, don't talk to me. Like, I think we all maybe have, have heard described something similar and, um, like knowing that, that in the world of imports, in the world of a million choices, in the world of like scientifically created food, you know, that nothing is more important than being able to share with people the value of like, why is it important to create high quality food and take care, even more than that, take care of, take care of land, take care of property. And we can do that in so many kinds of ways, whether, you know, we're restoring, you know, arid landscapes or we're, you know, helping create native habitats along with food production, right? Like there's so many things that I think you can do and and say and be in the agricultural world but to help people understand like they just don't know like even your seed stock producers even other like like farming people that you think in the community like oftentimes they none of us know everything but you know like oftentimes maybe they don't even understand where you're where you're coming from or they're actually kind of relieved that you are willing to hear them and like meet them where they're at. And it's not just about the dollar, not just about the dime. Like it's truly is about that customer service, about building the relationship. And um, I don't know. So for me, I think that's what's um, forged, you know, kind of repeat customers, people who, who want to come back and, um, you know, and it's, it is, it is challenging. I, I wish I could say that, you know, there are there are people who have a lot of different um, marketing strategies. Their farms look different. And I 
I'm not one to say, oh yes, my farm is like the pinnacle of what we should all be. You know, like I'm a, I'm a work in progress. Like I'm still just, um, fumbling my way through it, but, um, yeah, I don't know the relationships with people with, with far, with buyers of, of livestock and with buyers of meat that seems to work really well, you know, totally. So, so did you, did you articulate your why? Did you like, as you read the book, does that help you figure out, you know, be able to tell people what your why is? No, it yes. Yeah? Yes. I, I really, um, again, I think my, the why I described for my seed stock producers, obviously is going to have a little bit of a different flavor, but, um, than it would for my meat customers. Cause they're not, it's just a different conversation, but yeah, I really do. I think that book, um, helped me to understand just that key piece. It's not about like, there's a thousand people who make nice animals, right? There's a thousand people who make good meat, regardless of how you raise it, <laughs> you know? And it's not that, um, my meat is only raised on organics or my meat is only, you know, raised rotationally or my, whatever it is, that is not why someone, why you do what you do. And it's not why people buy either. Um, I mean, not innately, like you will get, again, the book describes, like you'll get those outliers. Some people just, you know, buy a Motorola because it's a Motorola and it's the cheapest option, right? Like you will get, always get those people. Um, you know, but the people who become those loyal customers that come back to you year after year and and really support you in the thick and thin, a hundred percent are why you need a strong why. And um, so I try to I try to tell my own self my why. Right when I feel really like I can't do this, maybe tomorrow. I think that's also why your why is important right? Like if you don't have your why, like you won't keep doing it. <laughs> your what only carries you so long, so far, you know, um, having a, having a great, what does not keep you in farming for me. It's about, it's just about the doing it, like the trying it, the, the, and we each are contributing some small thing to agriculture, right? Like every day that we do it. And I don't know. Maybe it won't all last forever. Maybe for some of us, it will. Maybe for some of us, it won't. Um, but the things that we learn for ourselves, the, the ways that we benefit somebody else, even if it's a neighbor who, you know, I told hay is actually grass, you know, like, I mean, even those moments though, even if, even if tomorrow I did change plans, which I'm not planning to, but like, even if tomorrow, like, you know, we weren't, we weren't in the same space. I don't know the, like the doing it today is valuable. Like, I don't know for me, I take some small like consolation in that each day that it doesn't have, I don't have to achieve this great thing. Like I don't have to reach some pinnacle in order to say like, Oh, wow. Finally, like you know, I'm a farmer, I've reached the like heights, like it's, it's the doing it. Like, it's just every day that we farm 
as a first generation farmer, or even as a, even as someone who's been, you know, whose family, whose legacy they have to somehow live up to behind them. Like even, even those people, I think every day that we are, are doing this and contributing in good ways to this agricultural beast (laughs) is, I don't know, it's worth it. And it's a good thing. I just love talking with Jess. That was so much fun. You can probably tell it was fun. (laughs) Um, I particularly like the emphasis that she had on negotiating around farm needs and family needs and expectations and finding systems and ways to take vacation. Like that's a conscious decision to make people as important as the farm and also recognizing that the farm is important and just finding ways for both of those to be successful. Um, I think we can learn a lot from that approach. I know that I know that I felt like I took a lot away from it. Um, and in fact, I actually asked her if she would be on a farmer panel to talk about this at the upcoming um, virtual Northeast Grazing and Livestock Conference on January 20th. Um, so if you want to come along and ask her questions and be part of that conversation, uh, the registration info for the conference is right in the show notes or at vtgrassfarmers.org. Um, join us and you can ask questions too. It'd be fantastic to have you be part of that conversation. So the other thing that really vibrated with me, um, was her reference to the book, start with why, which is outside of farming and outside of nursing and, you know, outside of a lot of things, but it's super important. It drills down to where we are as like core people, um, and our purpose. And I read this book about, about, I don't know, four or five years ago, And it really helped me narrow down and articulate my life's purpose, you know, to help people be successful and lead quality lives. It's actually up on the wall in my office. Um, And just as a reminder and a touchstone for me. So I think it's really helpful to think about your why in relation to the various things you do and the audience you serve, audiences you serve. I think that's important. But I also think it's really core to figure out your overarching why. Um, There's a follow-up book called Find Your Why that helps you walk through the process of unpacking your why um, through stories that, uh, yeah, it's just a really, really cool process. And as you go through the process, it also helps you uncover your how, um, which is super important too. It's like how you work Um, because you might align on a why, but you might not align on a how, which was a bit of a mind blower for me. Um, and, and folks I used to like to work with or did not enjoy working with that much um, in my former career. And I realized we have different hows, even if we all agree on the why. Um, anyway, so, um, so for example, my hows, like some of the ones that floated up, like I like to make connections. I like to focus on solutions. Um, I am a lifelong learner. And like, as you hear this, maybe it, it's all of this together is what helped me figure out that I'm a good fit to be a podcaster and a trainer for farmers and ranchers. Um, there's a whole how is about science orientation too. It's all together. Anyway, so I hope that you can join us for the Northeast Grazing Conference. Um, and as far as this podcast, please like and share it with your friends and your neighbors and random random humans. If you can take the time to drop a quick comment on Apple Podcasts, that also helps. Like a quick rating, a quick comment, that helps raise visibility to more folks like us and to bring them into our community. Because um, there are more of us out there than, than we realize at all. And we need to help them find us. So thanks, everyone. I'm so glad to be back together. Here's a little music from Chris Sargent to play us out, and I will talk to you next week.